Welcome in to Four One Drafts. Austin Gale here with Mike Renner, live from Indianapolis for the 2020 NFL Scouting Combine. We're going to do a little short intro because we've talked to a ton of people today. Mm-hmm. We have Brady Quinn on the podcast. That was fantastic. Notre Dame alums just chatting it up. I'm over on the it's outside looking in, bringing up Bookstore, which is apparently a basketball tournament. I'm like, dude, I got nothing here. San Diego State, baby. Represent West Coast. But after Brady Quinn, we also talked to PFF's own Kevin Clark. Oh, no, Kevin Cole. Clark. Kevin Cole, uh, but who's fantastic. Cole. Close, close. But, I mean, Kevin Cole was awesome, too. Talked about his analysis of the combine, what matters here, what doesn't. Fun fact, not a lot matters here, but he did He did offer some great insight. Kevin Cole does a lot of great well, the, work. The things that get glorified, the 40. Yeah. The, you know, the, the guy looking the part. Don't matter as much as, you know, maybe the on-field did. Yeah. should. I, I agree. Kevin Cole was great. And then thirdly, we're going to add in uh, Danny Kelly from The Ringer, who did an awesome draft guide. I yeah. encourage you to check that out from The Ringer. He had some some hot takes. Only on Brian. 50 players, though. Yeah, only 50 players. He's still getting there. He's scratching the surface. But he had Brian Edwards in his top 50. We ripped him a little bit for that. He's lower a bit on LaVisca Chenault, lower a bit on Josh Jones. I think he had some good analysis. So good I takes. go back and watch Brian Edwards with these guys. Really yeah, hyped him you up. do. I mean, I you really do. deal of him. Did not care for the 18 tape. Watched more in 19. Didn't change, but like he looked just about the same guy that I saw. So we're gonna go back and dig a little deeper. We'll see. It's yeah, like, and I think with Brian Edwards too, not partic- he didn't participate in the Senior Bowl due to injury. He's not gonna participate in the Combine due to injury. Like he's not having a ton of opportunities to elevate his stock. And if you go back to his tape, Danny Kelly's saying, "Yeah, I like his tape. These things." But like, I mean, there's not a lot I loved about what Brian Edwards did. Close to 50 percent of his production was on screens. I mean, he's just an interesting player. But it's great to talk to these people. So without further ado, let's go ahead and dive into these interviews, and uh, we'll be back soon. What's up here at the Combine with none other than Brady Quinn, former Notre Dame superstar. Been waiting a long time for this. Yes, (laughs) yes. Been waiting a long time for this. Fellow domers. Yeah, my my domer. Fellow domer at the Combine where he put up a legendary 24 reps on the bench back in the day. how stupid that was? Dude. Yes. It was so stupid. So you're assigned a scout with each group, right? Yeah. And the scout we were assigned was was a Denver scout. Mm -hmm. And so the year before, Jay Cutler had benched. And no one in our group was benching. And so how it works is you take your entire group up. You literally walk up. I'm so-and-so. I'm not benching. And sometimes they'll ask why and just say, you know, whatever reason you want. Yeah, well, <laughs> I'm a quarterback yeah. or I have a shoulder or I don't want to, yeah. you know, whatever. <clears throat> so there might have been one other guy in, like, another group. I think that was doing it as far as for the quarterbacks. But it's pretty much like, no, 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 no. And then finally the guy goes, dude, I'm, calling, I'm telling you, you can, break, you can break Jay Cutler's record. What he did. And I hadn't been really training for it and any of that stuff, but um, I, I wasn't doing anything else at the combine, just interviewing medical and all that. And I was like, screw it. I think I called my agent first, and I called Coach Weiss first. Mm-hmm. And I, I was represented by Tom Conn at the time, so Tom's like, oh, Brid, you know, it's probably not a good idea. You, know, <laughs> you, got you, you could blow a peck out or, you know. You, yeah. you, you, you Dude, blow a peck out. Bruce Gradkowski blew a peck out. Yeah. Doing yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, I mean it's, it's a legitimate concern, right? Like, if you're smart, you don't do it. So then I call. <laughs> Here we I go. Call my, 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 can can I cuss on this? Yeah, 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 absolutely. Light it up. So then I call Coach Weiss. And I was like, hey, coach. And he's like, hey, what, what are you doing? Why are you calling me? He's like, oh, I was like, well, I'm, you know, at the combine and, you know, I'm, I'm thinking about benching. He's like, you dumb motherfucker. <laughs> and he's just like, you know, for a smart kid, you can be pretty stupid sometimes. And I'm just sitting there like, okay, kind of figure out how to get that. Uh, hang up. I was like, yeah, I'll do it. I was like, well, let's, let's just go right in. So uh, warmed up, uh, did as best I could. I think I got 24. Yeah. Like, Probably could have got. I was say, how many I times? a crowd. I bet I could have got twenty five. Like that would get me all amped up. Yeah, man. that would be pretty sweet. And the yeah. music blaring like it kind of is today. But well, not this music. But yeah. yeah. Oh, this music's pretty garbage. Good, yeah, but by fun. the way, like the dumbest thing I ever did. And then after I got done, they like took me up. I had to go in NFL. I think we had to do the Wonderlick right after that. Yeah. My hands were shaking. Oh man. Uh, what's that? What'd you get on the Wonderlick? 
like 29 or some yeah, shit. That's disrespectful. Like- so I couldn't, I couldn't like get my fingers. I was like so amped up. Oh man. I was like <laughs> trying to, I was trying to pull apart like the, the part, like the, cause you know, it's like, um, there's like an adhesive on yeah, it, right? To peel it. it. Yeah, okay. And I literally like was open up like, oh fuck, page one and two are stuck together. <laughs> so I was like, oh, this is a time test. Yeah. yeah. So I'm like trying to like use my pencil to rip it through. I was like, oh. I should get a point at least for this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> did teams uh, bring up like, they, why did you bench? Like, were they bringing that up or what? Well, then I like went on NFL Network and yeah. So the funny thing was, is when I went to meet with the Redskins, uh, Joe Gibbs is there, and I'm like telling him the story. And you know, Joe Gibbs is really devout in his faith, and I, I verbatim said what Charlie Weiss said, like you know, using the language. <laughs> yeah. He's like taken Take back it. by it. Then I get a call after I'm done with the combine. The Redskins want to fly me in. Dan Snyder basically brought me in just to sit in his office and tell him that story, and that was it. And that's <laughs> wow. like about Notre Dame. And I was like, they had no, they had no um, they had uh, the quarterback yeah. out of Auburn, Jeez. Jason yeah. Campbell, yeah. and then Mark, Mark Brunel was there. Like okay. I was like, they're not drafting me. Yeah. Like this, this is just they just got just for fun. Yeah. That sounds yeah. nice. How many times you told that uh, like girls at bars you had twenty four reps? I never tell like, mm. anyone. Like, I was gonna say, you could probably I'm, tell. I'm, like, I'm, I'm married now. You I, 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 I have three daughters. We just had a daughter two weeks ago. Oh, so. Congratulations! My life is drastically different than you, Renner. You yeah. should have heard okay. how often Mike Renner brings up he was on the Bachelor. It's okay. literally nope. nonstop. Okay. That's, hor- nonstop. That's horrible. Nonstop. The, the week after, I, I, I got asked. To I be get on, people bring it the, up for me. I got asked to be on the Bachelor at once. Yeah. And? Uh, boardwalk in Hermosa Beach. Okay, that's the scout. Yeah, right. So, so a girl comes up, asked me. I was like, uh, "Actually, I'm married." Or I think I was engaged at the time. Okay. I was engaged at the time, and she's like, "Oh, it's not a problem. We can work around that." I'm like, "What? What? <laughs> we can like, work around that?" Okay. <laughs> I was like, "I'm out. Like, just don't talk." <laughs> Notre Dame alums, bachelor close. I mean, should I even be on this podcast? I kind of suck for this. It's like, dude, I got, I got nothing to the table right when now. When did the analytics come involved? That's why uh, <laughs> we'll we start to crunching that. numbers. We'll get to start. Right? We'll get to your quarterback rankings we'll get to, we're going to ask you to rank the quarterback analyst but i want to go to the combine a little bit more as well like the behind the scenes part that we yeah. don't get to see that yeah. they asking you in those in those interviews what are they asking quarterbacks what are like what did they ask you back in the day yeah i mean so so sometimes they're intense uh gary kubek at the time was the head coach of the texans yeah. and you know we're literally sitting private about a table about this wide and if the camera's there he was like leaning up across and looking at me and he was like are you are you, are you ready to take over an nfl play, yeah. franchise yeah. And, oh man you know lead men guys who've got families got to put food on the table and all this stuff and i just looked at him i said what do you think i've been doing for the past four years hell yeah and i was just like like that's that's do you think it's any different in college i said mm. you know we, we had a coach get fired tyron william got fired like that's yeah. who i went to play that's for good. i was like i understand the ramifications that come with this position and everything else and i was like and we had a new coach come in and we flourished so mm-hmm. I, I said you know you just you have those sorts of conversations at times because they want to test you to see how you respond um jason garrett and i sat down i, I forget if the meetings were like 15 or 20 minutes at that time but we literally sat down he had a dry race board he would draw up a play explain it to me install it and then just give it back and he'd erase it and he's like all right explain it back to me and then he asked me some questions about it okay. we went back and forth like that for 10 minutes yeah. And then he'd be like, okay, give me your favorite third down play, favorite red zone play, and then talk me through what do you do with this, what do you do with this, what do you do with this. Burnt, horn, that was it. Yeah. I just oh, like, wow. shook his hand left. And he was the OC at, in Dallas at the time, but it was like, it, you ever it, just, it depends. Wrong? Like you missed anyone of them? Um, no, not, not that. Okay. I mean, that, was, that, that, that plays in my strengths. Like, yeah, that yeah, was yeah. more of like stuff I was comfortable with. And I mean, I could topper smash wheel was, you know, uh, gun F right, 72 topper smash wheel was my favorite red zone play for Charlie's. Yeah. yeah, it's like. How often do <laughs> you say that at bars? I mean, <laughs> yeah. no, never. I, I'm, here's the thing is, I, I hear guys do it on TV, and I'm just like, oh. Dude, give me Bruce a break, does that in the dude. office like every day. Like, Bruce got casually come in the office, like, you guys want to hear my favorite play? Like, Bruce, you just told us this yeah. play. And, and, the, and the problem with my career was I moved around enough where I had West Coast. I had, All you know, Charlie's system, the Patriots kind of system, and then I had. And the three digit and then different variations. So, mm-hmm. you, and then, you, then like Brian Dable, basically when he got to Cleveland, he like completely like meshed his system, the three digit, and then Patriots to like be his own. And 
And, and so, like, I've been introduced to so many. It was just like, yeah, it's all the same stuff. You just call it something different. Who was the best player? Who's your best teammate on those old Notre Dame squads? Um, as far as, like, talented? Yeah. I mean, I mean Samarja. Samarja what, yeah. what would he have been in the NFL? Goes to baseball. I don't know. Never played I don't down. know. He'd been I mean, a first-round pick? He, he would have been successful whatever he did. Yeah. Like, I honestly feel like he could have played, like, basketball, too. Yeah. Like, we crushed Bookstore. He came in and had to fill in a couple oh, yeah. times How'd for you? us. Bookstore we, basketball is a tournament we, in Notre Dame. One twice. Five on five outdoor tournament. I'm on the outside yeah. looking yeah. in here. Exactly. Yeah. You won twice? <laughs> one twice. We never lost. We actually um, we were in the semis one year. It snowed during the spring game. And so Raymond McKnight played on the other team mm-hmm. that we were playing against. We're like, hey, we're, we're not going to show up. We'll, let's play at two tomorrow. Uh, we'll, we'll tell both. We'll just postpone it. And then obviously the winner will have to play in, that, yeah. in the championship game right after. Mm-hmm. Well, I think they had three students who were on their team. They fielded like two more people, made five, and like said we disqualified or we oh, uh, forfeited. Fucked. That sucked. Because, um, you know, after Sneaky. the spring game, everyone else, everyone goes out and parties, yeah. right? It's like a great time. And so I remember, like, getting a call, like, late that night from someone within the bookstore basketball tournament. They're like, yeah, you guys, you guys had to forfeit. Just, like, I'm like, what are you talking about? Yeah, well, yeah. smash. Uh, yeah, you were pretty frustrated and, and probably drunk at that point. I got so. to the semis once. Lost Did the you? semis to the team that won. We had five guys all under six foot, or all six foot and under. It was a, uh, that's not a team built to win outdoor basketball. No, you, you, you can't shoot. <laughs> yeah, no, it's all, it's all shoot. ones. But it's yeah. all ones. Yeah. Well, all right. Let's get to a little more football. Let's get to the quarterback takes. I yes. want to get the quarterback I, know, I want to get to the quarterback personality yeah. takes. Oh, okay. There's a lot of pers- there's a lot of QB analysts out there, and we the first time I ever talked to Brady online was when uh, Dan Olavsky talking <laughs> yeah. about Dan Olavsky establishing the run. He's Positive or negative? Or but let's hear your top five like QB analysts out there. Let's power rank them real quick. Oh man, you have your draft board. You're catching me off guard with this. Uh, I, I don't three. even know. We'll go top three. I, I don't know how to categorize them all because like who do you consider a quarterback? Who's good? Guy? I'm saying who's a guy who played quarterback. Who played quarterback yes, as an analyst? Like I, I do think Dan does a great job. Uh, if you're talking about like game stuff, I love Blackledge. I love Herb Street. Like okay. those are like college level guys that I love. Obviously, fantastic. love Aikman. Aikman's yeah. Aikman is he's awesome from the standpoint of from a football. You can have those conversations with him, but even from like a TV standpoint, mm-hmm. he's he's good to talk to about like working you through. Like he's he's been helpful to me. It's been helpful to Joel Klatt, other guys who are with the Fox Network. Um, yeah, I've really enjoyed both them. Um, and you're kind of putting me in the spot. I I do love listening to Chris. Exactly. Chris, Chris, and Al Tamir are like they're in the position they're in because they're yeah. the easiest listen. So they're like America's uncles, right? Yeah. Wow, <laughs> is, is that what you call them? Yeah. Yeah. Uncle Chris. I've never heard that before. I guess no, that's I, what we call them. I love listening to them. They're really easy to listen to. Um, I think he does a tremendous job. Um, those are kind of some of the guys that, that come to mind. For, I'm mm-hmm. sure I'm leaving out some people, but so you're um, just like Weinert stinks is what you're saying. No, I wouldn't. Matt does a good <laughs> I know, job. I know he does. Um, well, I, didn't, I was probably talking more game guys because yeah. I think I think game guys you have to go more in depth, yeah. like. From switching over from games to studio this year, like you're instead of di- digging a mile deep, an inch wide, mm-hmm. when you're like really you know preparing for a game and like getting to know these these teams, you're now you know digging a, you know an inch down, mile wide, and it's, so it's, it's it's a lot different as far as how you look at it. I thought Urban was great this year. Do you think he's going back into coaching, Urban Meyer? Well, you know it, it'll probably be a year by year thing, and, yeah. and it's to his credit because he was, he was so good at building winning cultures and yeah. being able to do all that. Uh, I, I honestly couldn't answer that, you okay. know, but yeah. uh, I hope I, I hope I have to answer that question for a long time because that obviously means he's with he's us and he's doing a good job. Yeah. Dude, he was good. But, What's your right. take on Tony Romo? We, we skipped Ooh. over that, but I mean, he's, this guy's had a huge ascent. I know Chris has given him a ton of praise for the work he's done in the booth. What's your take on him in the booth? Yeah, I, I think he's been able to transition in and do a good job. Um, there are some formality things that it's not how I like to call games or listen to games. Um, you know, I, I think when you talk so close up to the snap, and they call it first guessing when you're predicting what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. I, I can tell you any time if I talk up to the snap if someone's going to blitz or not. Yeah, yeah. it's not that hard. <laughs> um, but but I do think he he really does provide insight of 
what the quarterback's thinking, what the coach is thinking, kind of talking about the situations and all that. And, and there is a lot of value there. There's a lot of realness. The way he handles it, too, is, is kind of like a fan of the game. Uh, it's something that, you know, people didn't really tap into because I think they were coached not to. Yeah. And, and he's fed into this, and, and people like it. So, um, you know, in that way, he's, he's really done a good job for himself. It'll be interesting to see if he stays with CBS, though, or goes to ESPN. Let's jump to this quarterback class. Yes. I, I kind of want to start with Joe Burrow. I'm sure you've talked about him ad nauseum. As have we, being in Cincinnati, I feel like I bring that guy up every day. But yeah. with Joe Burrow, how do you view him in this class? What are his strengths? Like, give us what your take is right now on Joe Burrow. So um, he's the best quarterback in this class. This is the best single season. I, I could, no offense to your grades, this is the, he had the best season I've ever seen of any college football player ever, like top to bottom. I don't really feel like he yeah, ever had a bad game. Given, so Our grades match that. Our grades match that. If you're the Bengals, you have to take him. Yeah. Like, I don't care who it was, whether the Bengals or anyone else. Even if you're a team that had a quarterback and you're drafting number one overall still you felt good about, yeah. you'd have to contemplate taking him based on what he put on film. The, one of the things I was curious, and I keep trying to dig back into, is why such a big jump, right? Like I had a jump for my sophomore and junior year, but mm-hmm. not, not like that big of a jump. Uh, like he had this year. So I went back and watched more. And one of the things in talking to him was he got to LSU so late yeah. when he tra- transferred that he said it, it was like, look, it's a slow process. And I was still catching on. And, you know, one of the things was we had a lot more six, seven man protection. So you had less guys out on the routes. And mm-hmm. that was what the biggest difference you saw this year. 80% of the time, they were probably wasn't five, five wide. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And when you do that, there's more options. But he's so cerebral. He has such a feel for all of that, that it played to his strengths, the strengths of what they had and everything else. So, um, I started to feel even more and more confident just about of like where he was in 2018, the second half of the season, mm-hmm. and then looking at what Joe Brady brought and how that group just all matured together to create what was just a phenomenal season. I was going to say, did you ever get on a field at a time where you thought, like Burrow there, where like maybe you didn't have a great handle on the playbook, didn't have a good feel for what plays or the offense you were in, uh, whether it was in college or in the NFL? No, in the NFL for sure. I mean, yeah. I think early on in college, it was more about, like, I always say. Just adjusting to the speed. There's three years of playing quarterback, yeah. right? Your first year is you're really, like, mastering what you do, and it's learning that, right? So you're not thinking out there. Everything just kind of comes to you. You see it, you know, respond. Second year is really understanding what everyone's trying to take away from you, applying what you've already mastered to that. And in your third year, you let it loose. Like anyone would tell you, it, it, you really need three years of playing to fully evaluate, and then in that third year of, of playing to then say, okay, he, he's got the offense down, he's got the defense down, how is he playing? Like how is, how is all that working out around him? That's ideally what you'd like to do to evaluate a quarterback. So uh, I would say early on in my career in Notre Dame, I obviously felt much better my second year as a quarterback than I did my first year, and then continued to progress. But even my second year in Charlie Weiss's system, part of the reason why I wanted to come back was because I was like, all right, we could have a chance to win a national championship. Mm-hmm. And I want to see what we can do within this offense again. It's, it's not like I'm coming back and not continuing to grow in an NFL offense. The first yeah. playbook I got was New England's. So yeah. Yeah. Um, there was value and there was value and degree and all that stuff. The NFL, for sure. I mean, I, I you know, I, you know, new system as, you know, and didn't play really much till week 17, my rookie year. And so the next year, my second year in the league was probably the best I ever felt about an offense because I had an off season and I had two years to be in that offense. From that point moving forward, there was always changes either from a team or from the offense I was running. And it's, it's tough, man. It's yeah. tough because the, the longer you start playing, the more you get words that, like, there's a read screen, there's a read a call, there's, there's all these different calls you make, and they start to overlap, and, and you're like, in the heat of the battle, you know, there's just a lot of crossover, especially when you start getting hit a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> and things get a little fuzzy. You're like, I can't remember if that was last year or this year, but uh, we'll try to make it work. And, and that gets brought up in the NFL with, like, college you know, quarterback evaluation saying, like, it's a new system, it's a new system, and he has three offense coordinators in four years, whatever it may be. But I think with Joe Brady, to go back to what you said about Joe Burrow, I think 
a lot of the credit should also go to Joe Brady in that he evaluated Joe Burrow, understood his strengths, pivoted the offense to do more five-man protections, and elevated Joe Burrow's game. Well, also, I was going to say that brings up Jordan Love and how he goes to a different scheme, and all of a sudden it goes in the tank. Right. Yeah. Well, and, and what was around him, too. I think that yeah. played a factor. But uh, he's going to be the most interesting one because, like, when you compare him to Herbert, when I watch Jordan Love play, I'm, I'm like, okay, he's playing the position. Like, mm-hmm. he's a little more fluid and more smooth in yes. some of the things he does fundamentally. When I watch Herbert, everything feels like it's mechanical. Everything feels like it's he's like thinking his way through it, and it's just not natural. No, and it's it, very and, and like yeah. And by the way, you do I, you do a tremendous job with your draft guy and all this stuff. I've oh, been saying you. for a long time though, he does remind me of Tannehill. Yeah, like when I was with the Dolphins in 2014 in training camp, and I would watch Ryan drop back and move and everything. And granted, we had a new offense. Bill Lazor was the OC then, so he probably was still thinking through some mm-hmm. of that system. Um, it, you felt like that. You felt like he was like still trying to get down the position or get down the footwork because that, that's what it is. Like, especially in the NFL, it's 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 so much about anticipation and your rhythm and your feet and how you tie it into the routes and the concept that you're trying to get down the drops and the feel of, of that play. So you have that internal clock in your head. Like everything works in unison, and and that's why like when you see guys like that when they're in a new offense and you're like, man, it looks like he's struggling to progress or process. That's that's what it is. He's still getting a feel for the rhythm of the offense. But do, I think, does that get fixed? Like, do, does that get fixed? I mean, he's Herbert's Herbert. played so much at this point. That. It's hard to think it's going to change much. Yeah. The only thing I would say in his defense is he checks a lot of boxes off outside of that. It's just if he's in a system that I think incorporates him more running the football, sometimes that helps a little bit. Mm-hmm. I, I really didn't like their offensive system the entire time he was we, there. We've said that a ton with Justin Herbert. We, like, a, a role like similar to what the Buffalo Bills did a little bit with Josh Allen and involving him in the run game would right. be huge. And I think he's going to test well. Like Justin Herbert is going to test well. You're going to show that he has athleticism and speed to where you involve him in a rushing offense. Like You're going to get more value than if you did like a standard offense. And he's got a strong arm. Like That's, t- the, that's the weird thing. It's like strong arm and accuracy. Usually if you have both confidence. those things. The confidence is there and but I think, he, he doesn't have that but, yeah. two ball he but, doesn't yeah. have the touch mm-hmm. like he so in the nfl you've got to be able to throw over a defender and then before the next one right mm-hmm. and, and sometimes that's being able to articulate your arm to really snap it off and almost uh like, like you nice guys, motion you guys, there, you, i like that i like you guys that. golf right yeah so if, if when you're punching a golf shot uh-huh. right you kind of got to kind of stay low through it and right you're going to club up but then you're not going to take a full swing mm-hmm. it's kind of like that in throwing there's like a feel to it and you can rep it and practice it but like, he struggles to find that. He really has to wait till guys get into windows. He has a hard time mm-hmm. being able to feather that ball in. So, how highly would you draft? You're in, you're, you mean you have a quarterback, desperate. Where do you, how highly would you take Justin Herbert? Man. And Jordan Love. I think I'd be more – it depends on the situation that I have with both because I think they both need developed. Like, I, I think ideally uh, if Jordan Love is, like, this year's closest thing to, like, a guy like Patrick Mahomes, which I'm not saying there's any comp mm. – from, uh, it from sounds a, like you saying he's Patrick Mahomes here. Right? <laughs> I, I know you like player comps, so I guess Jordan yeah. Love, Patrick um, Mahomes. I'm not, podcast, I'm, I'm not saying it. there's a relation there, but I think yeah. there, there is like feel. Like Mahomes was like, oh, he's not a winner because he didn't win enough, or it's an air raid yeah. system, or whatever excuse you want to make for everyone not seeing that he was the be- by far and away the best huh. in that class and what he is. There's some of that with like Love, where you're like, all right, we, could we be missing out on like a guy that has those tools that just needs to be in the right sy- uh, situation? Just, yeah. So. Who's the quarterback that's there? You know, is it Miami? And do I have a Ryan Fitzpatrick who'd be a great mentor and can start for a while before he goes in? Um, Say ideal. Everything's ideal for whatever quarterback. How, like, back, I guess that's obviously his own scenario, but, like, what range of picks? Where were you? I mean, I I still think, you you know, you still take Herbert top 10. Okay, Herbert top 10. Um, Love, I think you take in the top 32. Okay, somewhere. Because the the film is what, his, his play at the end of games, like, Wake, 
um, where really the pick he threw wasn't – I knew what he was trying to do. He could, should have taken the flat. He tried to get it over top into the tight end and behind. Linebacker made a nice play. The drive should have ended before that. He threw a terrible one double coverage that got dropped. So That was rough. Like, yeah. that, and that's the start it off, yeah. right? And then, by the way, that pick that he threw, and eventually – they're in field goal range. They could have kicked tight and went into overtime. So his, it, it's, the, it's the decision-making in those clutch spots that I think people are going to have a hard time I was going to say his second-half grade was, like, awful for mm-hmm. us. His first-half grade was, like, in the 80s, and the second-half grade was, like, 50-something. Like I kind of want to go back to something something we're kind of referencing, but, like, with quarterback play, can it get fixed with, you know, just Justin Herbert being unnatural? But what do you think can get fixed at the next level? I think that's such an important part, part of the process when you are evaluating quarterbacks. Is there Are there certain things that where you see that cons – in college that you think can get fixed at the next level yeah i mean i think for like jordan love there's times when you know he can throw off balance or like from awkward arm angles he doesn't need to and sometimes he would rely on it or maybe you could just call it being lazy like those things you can clean up yeah. i mean you've seen it within cam newton when north mm-hmm. turner got there he really worked on his footwork because he was a guy that he would basically turn parallel line of scrimmage and he's so gifted and strong that he could just oh, throw his yeah. hips open and he got away with it his mvp season but then when you keep doing that, like eventually you're going to be inaccurate. Eventually it's not going to work. And you started to see that. North cleaned that up. He had a better statistical year, at least you know, looking mm-hmm. at some of the numbers, some of the shorter passing game you could throw in there. With it was a little more accurate. Yeah, definitely more accurate. But, um, but, but you can clean some of that stuff up. With Herbert, I think it's more about a system fit and then trying to play to his strengths. Um, and culture then, fit too, probably. I mean, he's got to be. He's got to come in, find that way to be natural, find that way to be. Say a lot of people don't think he's like. Yeah, you know, but the but here's the problem with that when they're like, oh, he's not as boisterous or he's not as, uh, you know, he doesn't fight. You, you know, some people are like, oh, does he have fire to him? Yeah. Here's the thing: is if you're in an NFL locker room and you try to be someone you're not, people see right through that. And and like coaches, <laughs> coaches when try to players, it's like if it's not genuine, yeah, they'll they'll see it's fake and it doesn't work. So like he still has to be himself. Mm-hmm. I think the bench press is starting behind us right now. I know oh, you're yeah. getting a little excited to get on there. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if how you much wanna... can you put him nowadays. Yeah, let's, let's oh, hear it. Gosh, not much, not much. <laughs> I think every once in a while I do like a rep of three fifteen just to feel like I can like still a man do it. Yeah. Well, I, I do. I do <laughs> have three little girls. So I know, yeah. at some point I'm gonna have to get on like HGH and really start getting after. <laughs> I respect like, that. I respect yeah. that. I know Renner had that midlife crisis. I've, I've already got. I've got a tremendous gun collection, so I'm good. I, I, I have to get like a gun case, a gun rack. Oh yeah, that I put out in, in front of the front door. Yeah. Just, wow. Manly. Yeah. Right over your right head. <laughs> I think that's like a varsity blues reference. Right? It is. I think yeah. that is. Yeah. Yeah. Good. Good take there. I want. I know Renner wanted before we dropped off the the pod here. We need a. We need a Notre Dame highlight story. Give us. Give us a good story from the college days. Whether on field, off field, I need to hear something good from Notre Dame. Oh gosh. Uh, how about this? So my senior year, we played UCLA. Uh, should have beat them by more than what we did. We had a bad day. But people don't realize, like, we had, like, I think we had a full pad of practice the day before that. Like, it was a, it was a breaking point that season for oh, us. Man. Not good. Like, we are not in a good spot as a team, not in a good spot with how things are going. And it would, in the, in the, based on how the first half of that game went, like, guys were frustrated. Like, had we not like come back and won that game then kind of gone on a, a streak of wins because we ended up getting the 10 wins you don't know how, how that would have like turned out the rest of the season like that was that was like that play to some hard job like people do not understand like how much that changed kind of just us even getting to another bcs game uh it was it was that was an interesting year of our, our senior year being there because i mean because we had lost mm-hmm. sort of the michigan we kind of felt like all right everything kind of ruined the hype yeah kind yeah of it, it, it just crushed it and you're like all right we got to be perfect the rest of the way and then hope once Michigan loses, if they lose to Ohio State, like maybe we get in, we play Ohio State again, or maybe we have a shot. So um, that that was the toughest part. But yeah, that it, it got a little dicey. So like that 
drive was important for like more than just that reason. It was important for us to get back to a BCS game, get a little more money for the school and mm-hmm. all that. Let's talk some Notre Dame prospects because okay. they got a ton of guys here. Anyone, I remember you said you didn't really like the safeties coming out, but any of these guys, so Julian Akwar, Khalid Kareem, Jalen Elliott, Aloe Gilman, Troy Pride, Claypool, Komet, any of them? You well, think I like, like all the guys. I'm, not, okay. good I'm kids, saying like any guys like you really James. are like this guy, I, don't, I think like the NFL is kind of sleeping on him or I think they're going to be studs. In the Cole, I, or at least the, I would say the media is sleeping on Cole. People are like, oh, yeah. these guys aren't, you know, there's not a first round tight end in this. I'm like, Cole's, Cole's going to be Cole's gonna be taken, I think, in the, late the first round. Really? Uh, there's a lot of people, too, that are betting on his upside because he's played baseball that he hasn't really to fully devote himself to mm-hmm. football. And, and you talk to some scouts, and they'll tell you, like, they feel like his frame could handle, like, 265 and can still move. Uh, 270, maybe. Yeah. So um, you don't use Right. And, and, and here's the thing is everyone's all about the pass game, the flexing, and all that. But you still do have, like, those traditional whys that have to put their foot in the ground or hand in the ground and then be a part of the run blocking, you know, releasing and play action, all that stuff. So uh, he, to me, is is very much going to be a first-round pick. Um, you know, looking at Aquara. Yeah, we think of Aquara because we love Aquara. I mean, I, 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 love, I, I love everything about him. I wish he wouldn't have got hurt. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he was really, like, coming to a good point in the season for him, like, building that momentum. Um, and I think, like, there's such a drop-off from Chase Young and everyone else that I just I don't know how to evaluate him among some of the other edge guys. Um, and so I think he could be a first-round guy. It's going to depend upon how some things go the rest of the way for him. Um, but, you know, he, look, he, he's, he comes from – I mean, his brother, you know, balling out right I mean, now too. Yeah. He was kind of a late bloomer, right? Yeah. Wasn't he undrafted, I believe? He was. He went to UDFA. And, and now and look who he's doing for the, the Lions. Yeah. So um, I, think, I think, look, these guys – whether or not you guys believe like these guys believe in that stuff. Like they'll look at him and say, ah, oh, maybe he's a little bit of a late bloomer too. There's a lot of upside there. So mm-hmm. those guys in particular – I know Troy Pride had a great um, senior bowl week and all that stuff as far as coverage goes. Um, you know, people talk about concern with tackling. I mean, you could make the same concern with CJ Henderson. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and so, but like, where would you take Pride, you think? What kind of. Um, he's going to run well, test pretty well. Um, probably third. Okay. What, what's your opinion of, uh, if we take it back a little bit, last year's Notre Dame rookie class? Miles Boykin, Jerry Tillery. Oof, Drew, let's Jerry Tillery. Drew Tanquil. Like, <laughs> What'd you say? Let's talk Jerry Tillery because we were super high on Tillery. And he is not good last year. He, he struggled last year. He really struggled last year. You got to say any inside info on Jerry Is that – no, I mean, is, is that a good scheme fit for him? I'll just say this. I mean, yeah. part of the thing is you get, you, get in these, you get in these different defensive schemes. And I think of Jerry Tiller is in, like, Seattle system, right? Mm-hmm. You know, one gap, pure penetration, like, probably, probably a better system for him. Like, people will tie back Gus Bradley, and they'll be like, oh, it's the same system. It's not. Mm-hmm. It's really not. Like, there, there's, there's going to be times where he has – some more two-gap responsibility. Um, I think one of the toughest things for him is in the NFL, especially at that position, he's, 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 a, he's a tall, long guy. Yeah, he's mm-hmm. not that like big. He's like 290 well, at 6'6", which isn't like big for a DT. No, it's and a, so you either got to be able to move people or you got to be able to be twitchy. Yeah. And I think he's somewhere like tweening right now. You yeah, know? That's, a good, that's a good call. I, uh, I think, and he, he, rem- he reminds me a little bit of like Tyson Jackson back when uh, we played him versus LSU. I think he was a first-round, maybe second-round pick. Uh, I think that the Chiefs. But, yeah. but but he like got a number three overall pick actually. Is that what it was? Yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah. So yeah. so but he got to put like a five tech and a three four, and that's back when we had more base personnel. And you're like, dude, he was really good at LSU, and then he gets gets lost in like two gapping at times, and just 
kind of being in no man's land. I just I think that transition might take him a little while to figure out. That's another thing too that I think does get discussed at times in this evaluation process. But scheme matters. Like what you're asking this player to do at the next level is going to be so important. Especially we talk about that all the time with like cornerbacks, like coming into mm-hmm. a man heavy scheme, cover you know cover three heavy scheme. Like it's not going to work. Like there are there are rarely that you find these players that can play at a high level regardless of yeah, scheme. And, and I think Tillery position, is exactly yeah. that. Like Tillery, you ask him to two gap, he's not going to be the same guy when you get him to one gap and more twitchy stuff at the top. The one good thing about at least coaches now, I think offenses is, is they are trying to be more flexible to like what the strengths are of, of their personnel, which is nice. I mean, it's good to see that from an offensive perspective. I, I think the defense is still stuck a little bit in their ways of basically trying to say, look, look this is the scheme we run. This is what we're going to do. But this is how we like our corners to play. This is what we're going to do. It's like, I mean, is that is that really how you get the most out of your, your players just because you feel comfortable with that as a defensive coordinator? I mean, that, I think it's one of the reasons, too, you see a lot of defensive coordinators are older. Yeah. You know, like like the Carolina Panthers are willing to take a, a shot on Joe Brady. Like, I was, I was saying, like there's not how, like innovation on defense. No, and it's like yeah. how many young defensive coordinators are getting their shot in that way too? Yeah. We're just saying like this guy's innovative or there's something to him, right? You just don't see it. What about so, uh, Jim Leonard, Wisconsin, right? I mean, they, they well, took and, a shot uh, on him. Very. I mean, he's not in the NFL, well, he's but I mean, yeah, a Wisconsin guy. Yeah, true, true. true. Yeah, if we're talking about the NFL, the yeah, NFL yeah, yeah. takes a shot. No, no, I agree. Like no, I agree. That defense coordinators are older. Well, Brady, really appreciate everything. Can we get you to say, now I'm done with the EAS to back in the day? Though? Now I'm done. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> All right, now we're done. Thank you, Brady. We're, uh, no, appreciate it. Appreciate it, man. All right, sitting down with Kev Cole. I call you Kev Cole. I know, it's, I know your full name's Kevin, but I really like Kev Cole. It's got, it's got a ring to it. But uh, you're a PFF analyst with us. You also work on the research and development team with George Tahuri, our director of research and development. We're really happy to have you on. Happy to be here. Yeah, I'll take all different uh, variations, permutations. What do you usually go by? What like if you had to is pick Kev, one? Though? Is it Kev Cole, KC? I, I think it depends on the group. Like you have different different groups. I think Kev Cole, K Cole. Ooh, um, that's your rap name. I get, growing up, I was actually actually I got the nickname Worm for a while. I'm not sure why exactly. I, I think it was like when that. I used to play basketball a lot uh, when I was younger. So, yeah, no rebounding was involved in okay. that though. I, I like to kind of hang out three point line. Yeah. So, All right, Warm. Yeah. Let's let's get into the background here. Beyond the beyond the names, <laughs> the, uh, that was the background. <laughs> this is the important stuff. How, how did you you know start doing what you're doing now? Working in research and development, also creating content. Really, I think you do create a lot of great content, both for the fantasy football side of things, and also for PFF doing a lot of you know combine analysis recently, draft prospect analysis. What you've done with you know the Bayesian great. I mean, this, you're going deep. A lot of what you do for PFF, you're going deep here, Warm. Uh, <laughs> but talk to us how you started here. Yeah, I mean, I'm not going to go too far into the past, but I've done some finance work. It was quantitative, although not at the level that we're talking about here. You know, I wasn't a stats or a CS guy, but then I started to learn these things really through fantasy football um, was, was the entree into doing it. Uh, learned a couple programming languages, started to do more content, uh, got a job at Roto-Grinders doing DFS stuff. Uh, so now they kind of naturally lent into this, but football has really been the thing that I've concentrated on the most, and it's... Uh, you know, my favorite sport, all that stuff. So this is perfect for me. You do a ton of things. And I feel like this may be a little bit of a hard question, but what do you like doing? What, what do you really like doing, putting your, you know, putting your mind to and working on? Because I feel like you, do, you, you have a lot of range. You know, you want to talk about range. Worm's got range. And I think I want to see, like, what, where do you actually really stick, like doing? <laughs> <laughs> well, okay. uh, I mean, I, I, the more than anything, I like just coming. I mean, it just whenever an idea hits you, you mm-hmm. know, uh, a lot of times whatever narrative is going through, 
the the zeitgeist, you could say, of, of what's going on right there. It's just attacking it and looking at it and breaking down some numbers about it. I think that's the best thing. And when you can kind of come from A to Z, from ideation to fruition, all within like a 24-hour period and do something, that's great. I mean, I like the longer research stuff, too. Don't get me wrong. And building off of that type of stuff, like the stuff for the, co- the combine that we're going to talk about, obviously, you know, you know that's coming. That's on the calendar. You're getting ready for it. But I also like it when just something comes across the timeline that you feel like you're annoyed enough about that you want to you want to dig into it and kind of uh, push back against what you're seeing i want to dig into now your combine stuff because it's very interesting this this is if you're going to read any article about the combine read his articles about the most important drills here in india for offensive and defensive players and that's on pff.com get to pff.com very just like takeaways that are i mean like some a lot of people know but putting actual numbers to some of these takeaways position by position one I want to start with is height does not matter for quarterbacks, you found, in terms of actually projecting success and yeah. sort of success in the NFL. Yeah, yeah I mean, something. Well, so, how, what I did for the analysis, just to give a brief overview, um, is just kind of looking at how important these different attributes, whether it's the measurements, yep. uh, the drills are for the draft, and then looking separately at our metric for value war the wins above replacement that we have so trying to separate you know how how well someone's drafted how much they're going up their stock is going up there versus how well they're actually going to produce once they get into the nfl so yes for for the quarterbacks obviously we've had this height question forever um i guess hand size maybe i should have dug into that that's become a number another thing where (laughs) it was like height doesn't matter hand size matters because of guys like drew Brees and russell wilson and stuff so but what what we've what you found is that it doesn't really matter and i think we've seen with some of these measures and some of the takeaways here and the data that I'm looking at from 2006 to 2017 is teams are getting smarter. Uh, I think they are listening to some of this stuff and some of the discussions that we had, I mean, the fact that we've had Baker Mayfield, Kyler Murray, are people really talking about the fact that Tua is six foot? I mean, a little no, bit, right? But not at all. It's really. like the conversation is done. Yeah. yeah. Basically done. So, so I, I think we're actually starting to get past it. But it's good to see the confirmation there in the numbers that it is something historically that has driven draft position a lot, but it hasn't driven war a lot. And if, if you figure, you know, war is also a product of draft position in that the higher you're drafted, the more opportunity you have. So that's going to drive that too. So the fact that that doesn't show up at all in war is really an indication that it was it was something that you shouldn't have been concentrating on. You should be concentrating on the stuff that we like to look at the metrics yes, and, and the actual tape. Field yeah. performance, sorry, yeah. I mean, spe- speaking to teams getting smarter here at the Combine, in addition to sending a lot of the content members of PFF, we send our, our B2B crew, guys that work with the NFL and NCAA teams, and talking to the guys last night, they said a team threw up PFF's draft guide on a PowerPoint presentation and looked through like what we're talking about, the anal- you know the data that we see with some of these players. I think teams are getting smarter, and I'm, I'm not trying to toot PFF's horn, but like they're using data, they're using analytics, they're using these things to try and draft better, make better decisions on the football field, etc. Beyond quarterback, let's stick on the offensive side of the ball. What do you see that like in the metrics for wide receiver, running back, some of these drills? What do you see that really translates to next level? The interesting thing that I thought was running back and wide receiver. So much draft position, so much heavily correlated to size and speed. Yes. Whereas you found running back agility drills far more important to actual success on the football field. And for wide receiver, there's really no like one predictor, but size and speed doesn't really matter at all. Yeah, I think, I think wide receiver's been something, and even research that I've yeah. done in the past for fantasy, where you find out that the athletic measurables don't matter yeah. that much. Um, but I think, I think teams are still making some pretty heavy mistakes as far as it's concerned. When you see someone run a great number, people are going to talk about it. Um, I mean, uh, you, you look John back. Ross. Yeah, you, yeah, you look at John Ross. You look at Prashad Perryman. Maybe before that, if you go all the way back to you know Darius Hayward Bay. Darius Hayward Bay. These guys. I mean, Bill they they still jump up just because it's alluring to think what they can potentially do for an offense when they have something like that. But when you find is that it's really more of a skill based position 
than running back where running back also is influenced by those things, but there is more of a correlation between what's happening the drills and 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 war and more yeah. for running back because it's more of an athleticism based mm-hmm. position. I mean, you see guys step into a new offense and can produce like Kenyon Drake came in and and then was able to produce that that week. You yeah. don't necessarily have to have uh, the the skill refined at the, at the same sort of level. So so going back to the the agility drills. I mean, we look at the different facets of the, the team that these players are in. So rushing the ball, receiving, and we see, you know, receiving is a lot more valuable because it's less replaceable in our, in our minds. And agility is something naturally that's going to translate into receiving and be able to catch passes. It's something that that's more of an agility um, uh, drill, I mean, a skill, than it is a pure speed and burst yeah. drill, which would be, which would be more uh, correlated with running like the ball. Like the LSU running back, we talked about that all the time. He's agile. He's agile. Might not have speed. Though. Yeah, yeah. Clyde Edwards Lair is a back that I think could run maybe over four six. If he cracks four fives, it'd be a good time for him, but I think he is going to test well in the agility. Uh, let's jump to the defensive side of the ball. Sure. Uh, talk to us about some of the findings you had and what, what matters for these positions. Weight, I know, very important for interior defensive line. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that was a big one. And I think, I mean, I mentioned Aaron Donald in there as kind of being the guy that people will point to. People like to use outliers to justify. You can justify yeah, yeah. anything, right? Yeah, yeah. You, by pointing to one. So, so if someone comes in light on their weight, they say, well, it doesn't matter because Aaron Donald <laughs> exactly. weighed 285 yeah. pounds. This, this literal alien on human Earth, I mean, on Earth here, is actually really good. This doesn't matter. Yeah. So, 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 But if you look at other guys that are in that, you know, even even lighter range, we're talking about needing someone who's in, you know, 260s to, to less than 300, there are a lot of guys that we had as producing negative war, so below replacement value type of guys once they get into the NFL. Whereas on, on the higher side, maybe you're not going to to get these home run type of Aaron Donald players, but you're going to get guys that are very useful. And let's face it, you can't really, uh, you know, can't replace someone who has some agility at 340 pounds like you can uh, replaceable some guy who's 260 pounds. And I think that's part of it. All right, moving down the list here, let's see, let's talk, talk more about the defensive side of the ball and sure. other things that you see, like defensive backs. I think is another one where you know forty and, and this this speed feels like it makes a ton of sense and, and, and translates to next level something that's valuable here. But what did you see when you're kind of like looking at you know projecting war at the next level with these? Yeah, I mean, I think this is another one where it's probably most analogous and it makes sense to wide receiver on the offensive side of the ball, where it's a skill based position. Um, I mean, there is a degree of athleticism that you have to have. It probably dictates what mm-hmm. type of coverage you can have, but if you properly, uh, you know, being able to, to cover and really knowing how and really working at that craft can make up for, for a lot of those things. So speed is something that was, you know, heavily influencing draft position, but not nearly as much when we're talking about what's going on with war. Uh, you know, some's a little bit of maybe of the broad jump or the vert, and it's another thing that people concentrate on. Agility is something that that's somewhat there, but really it's just going to be, you don't want to see someone flunk maybe any of these tests, and you're really going to want to want to see the tape and, and see who you think has that skill. You're not a film grinder, I know that, no. but I mean, you're definitely a part of draft Twitter now. I think you have to be. If you're not, I'm, I'm welcoming you right now. Do you have any guys that through the data you looked at that you really like, or are you kind of waiting to see more? I, I don't know how much you've kind of looked at this class and found guys that you feel will project at a high level at the next rate. Well, I mean, I, I probably concentrate more on the offensive side of the ball just because of uh, like the fantasy football background that, that I've had before. So, I mean, I think one of the interesting test cases that we have this year is when you have Judy and Ruggs and you're trying to figure out you know, what are we going to do with these two guys on the same team? Because this is a situation where 
Um, he probably Michael Thomas to a degree when he was playing with Devin Smith. You know, you had the you had Beckham and Landry playing together. Where a lot of the traditional metrics you're going to look at, it's almost impossible to pop on a yards per route run or to pop on a market share when you have another guy next to you who's going to be a highly drafted yeah. guy. And, and Devonte Smith, the yeah. the guy, the underclassman, is probably going to go Waddle. in the first round next year. Jalen yeah. Waddles, guy who's going <laughs> to run in four twos. So, so what do you do with all of that? I think y- you you want to you know just be deliberate about what you're doing because again, you don't want to get caught into the same trap we're talking about with Aaron Donald, where you say, well. You you know, Odell Beckham was a success, and he had poor. He had, he, he had worse numbers than Landry in a lot of ways of, in the market share they had. So therefore, it doesn't matter. But at the same time, there are plenty of guys where that has been a warning sign, and they have ended up busting. So I, I, I think for for that side, the fact that the wide receiver group is seen as being so strong this year, whereas some of the guys at the top. I um, mean, not Lamb. Lamb is probably seen as being that strong. But some of the guys at the top, maybe from a metric standpoint, there's a little bit more risk, I think, that that's in there than people are thinking about right now. I really appreciate you having you on, Kev. Uh, we're going to have to do this more and more, especially with that. now that you're with PFF. We're going to have to get you on there the you podcast, two-for-one drafts. But uh, where can people see your work in addition to PFF.com? Where can they follow you? They can follow me on Twitter, uh, Kevin Cole, PFF. That's about it. Are you changing honestly. the handle to worm anytime soon? Or? <laughs> worm. PFF, PFF underscore worm. PFF uh, underscore worm. You heard it here first. Well, thanks again, Kev. <laughs> there, thank you. All right, we have Danny Kelly of The Ringer on, two-for-one drafts with us now. Uh, really appreciate you coming on. How's sure. this week been for you so far here in Indy? It's been good, really good, you know, just taking it all in. Uh, just just went and saw some of the running backs, some of the top running backs in the class, so that was cool to kind of get to see them in, in person. You know, like uh, Jonathan Taylor actually just looked way bigger than I was expecting, I think. He's going to run fast, built, too. Man. He, so he weighed in, I think, at 226, and I think he was listed under 220, so that's a good, good weight, and yeah. I think he's going to run really fast, too, so... And he, he's, you know, he's one of the guys. So I have him listed right now as my number two, which is right behind Dobbins. Mm-hmm. I could see him. I could see him jump up to number one and keep, uh, the the running back one for me. Probably. I feel like those two you feel really safe about. Yeah, zones like the offensive scheme they're in, size, yeah. weight, speed. Yeah, That's, that tends to work out when you're yeah, that yeah. good already. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, both those guys. Yeah, razors, razors edge between both of those guys for me. I mean, they're just they're a little bit different style, but they both have that, you know, wiggle. I think. Taylor's uh, Taylor's feet are just amazing. Like the way he can kind of like, you know, skitter through the line and, and find opening there. I think he's really good. And then obviously they both have that home run hitting ability. So yeah. When you when you come out to the combine, obviously you do a ton of work for the Ringer on on the NFL draft. What are you hoping? Like what information are you hoping to gain from this experience? I mean, uh, honestly, a lot of it is talking to like you guys and, and you know trying to get pick people's brains about like what the players they really like, why they don't like certain players. I know you're going to bring up a guy oh, yeah. that we're going to talk about. I love kind of doing that kind of thing. Obviously, talking to the players is a big part of it too. But um, yeah, I just like to be able to pick people's brains and kind of you know. Well, let's get like into the players. Then. Let's yeah. get into this. I, so, because the most interesting thing to me, going through your top fifty, if you haven't checked out Danny's top fifty, it's on the NFL Draft at the It's incredible the layout of this board. Like <laughs> this you. is the the most beautiful top fifty in terms of just visually <laughs> I've ever yeah. seen. Maybe not the players the way he's ranked them might not be the most <laughs> oh, beautiful. Oh wow! But wow. <laughs> we're, up, we're getting into up. that right now. Yeah. Edge class. A lot yeah. of people are down on this edge class. Mm-hmm. After Chase Young, there are question marks. Serious, serious question marks. Right. You seem to have ranked them fairly highly. You have four guys in your top 25 and the edge position, Chase Young, Caleb on Chase on, AJ Epinesa, Etor Grossmatos, in that order. Kind of talk to me. Break down the edge class kind of for us and why you like Caleb on Chase on and Etor Grossmatos so much because they're not yeah. in our top 25 at the moment. Yeah, so obviously I think I'm going to guess that Chase on's probably not high for you guys because of his lack of production. I know mm-hmm. I saw that you had um, his like pass rush win, weight, win, win rate or his pressure yep. rate or whatever. It was definitely not where you wanted to be for a top 10 guy mm-hmm. um, or top 
even first round guy, yeah. obviously. Um, I don't know. To me, watching him, the way that he moves, the way he's explosive, I think that's you're projecting what he's going to be, not what he is right now. Okay. Mm-hmm. And so for me, it's the way he moves, the explosiveness, the bendiness. Really kind of reminds me of Brian Burns, honestly. Um, I think I, so I comped him to Josh Allen to Neil Hunter. Um, but, like, just the movement skills. He's a little bit different size, but, like, just the way he moves, explosion, that's what really reminded me of him. So, um, for me, that's kind of what it is. Like, I think, obviously, it's a bit of a risk because, you know, some guys will just go on to the NFL and never learn how to produce, never learn how to finish. Mm -hmm. But, for me, I think he has the physical attributes to develop and to be coached into, you know, a very, very good explosive pass rusher. So, that's why I really like him. Um, I think you could probably say the same well, Evanessa to me is just, he's just so powerful. Like the power that he has in his hands, the way that he can kind of like shock guys in front of him. Um, there's sort of like a, a Justin Smith Ooh, element nice, to yeah. him. You know, it's not, he's not obviously not the same player. He's, he's really tall, you know, 6'6 six, six or whatever. Um, but yeah, just the way he plays with power, I think, is what makes him interesting. He's not super explosive, not super twitched up, but just really, really tough, physical kind of guy. So he's a he's a very different style of, of edge rusher, or, or he might even be on the inside sometimes mm-hmm. in the pros. Um, but I just really, I, you know, I liked his game for that, just the power element of it. Um, I think Gross Matos is is pretty much the same as, as Chase on in terms of I just think the physical attributes. And you could actually lump Ter- Terrell Lewis in there, I think, as well, just because, you know, he came... Uh, he comes into the draft having only played one real season, basically at Alabama. Um, but again, those guys are—they're long, they're athletic, and I think the traits there are what are really interesting. I think I, I do agree with you though. This this pass rush group is interesting because a lot of it is traits based. Like Chase Young is absolute Brief. stud, yeah, and the production matches everything. Um, but for the other guys, it's more just like a projection. Like these guys are gonna be—you have to kind of think about what they can be when they get you know, into an NFL team with NFL coaching and, um, you know, NFL weight room and all that and just kind of just projecting what they can be. I think that's, you know, the chasing thing again. That's why I kind of comped him to Hunter is because Hunter came into the NFL with, you know, lower than expected, I think, production, mm-hmm. but um, kind of turned into this to, to the freakish uh, pass rusher. They so that's kind of like what I was thinking about. When so I so weak edge class, people sort of universally agreed. Does that mean so? Does that mean that these guys will fall to the back, like that, that they'll yeah. go later? Like they'll, we'll see these guys kind of in the 20s, day two, kind of like the cornerback class was last year in terms mm-hmm. of we didn't see a guy come off the board until, what was it, pick 31, right. DeAndre Baker? Or will it be like everyone still needs pass rush? we got to right. get these guys early if I want to add defender in this class. I think some of it has to do with free agency because yeah. I think this free agent class has some good pass rushers. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I get tagged. <laughs> Until they get ta- all right, get tagged, right, yeah, true, true. Um, but yeah, I think it's it's definitely very interesting. I think because you look at like the, the receiver class is so deep, um, teams might be like, well, we can get a receiver later. Yeah, we can't get edge. a edge guy later. That's mm-hmm. going to be like an impact guy early on. So it's it's very difficult to predict. I would guess these guys might fall into like the late first, early second, and that'd be kind of like the sweet spot to, to grab a higher higher upside edge guy. And going back to what you said, I think like, I agree with you 100%. After Chase Young, I mean, there isn't this like perfect, complete edge fan. AJ Epinesa, I think, is the closest. He's number two right. on PFF's like board. Readiness. Yeah, NFL yeah. readiness right. for he sure. But they, and play right with with yeah. Caleb on Chase on, Etor Gross Matos, and I think I'm glad you looped in uh, Terrell Lewis. These guys have really good traits, yeah. but a lot of it is that, you know, looks like Tarzan plays like Jane from a production standpoint, right. not like this toughness grit with that 
that expression. Yeah, I was going to say, you're not trying to call an NFL player a pussy. Exactly. Yeah, <laughs> not today. Not today. Yeah. But um, I think some of that, though, is, is like trying to project these guys to the next level is, is hard. But I think there yeah. are these traits that you want to buy into. Like what Caleb on Chason could be is insane. What, you right. know, um, um, Terrell Lewis could be is insane. I think buying into this idea that you want to you know get this project is important. I have another thing I wanted to bring up on your board here is mm-hmm. Jeff Gladney. I'm, I'm high on Jeff Gladney. I really I do like what yeah, Jeff Gladney so. brings to the table. He's going to run very fast. He's sneaky. Like I think he's flying under the radar as one of these more athletic, fast cornerbacks yep. and uh, plays really aggressive. Likes what he does. I like what he does after the whistle. He's a junkyard dog in right, that way and right. like talks a lot of trash. I think Gladney going to blow away people in the interview process, really blow up the combine. I, I, you see him as a first-round player. We have him, what, in the top 40 yep. on PFF Sport. I, I really do like Gladney. What do you like about him? His foot speed is what kind of caught my eye. When I first put it on, I was like, whoa, this guy is very, very twitched up, you know? Um, and I think everything you're saying about how he just plays, he's very, very, you know, confident, very aggressive. He comes down and hits in the run game. Not that that's really what I'm looking for in you know first round, but like it's nice. It's yeah. like a nice bonus, you know. <laughs> I'll um, take it. Cherry yeah. on top. <laughs> I mean, obviously, coverage is by far the most important thing. But um, yeah, just the foot speed, the way that he can kind of use that foot speed. If he, if he gets beat initially, he can make up. Like he has that make up speed. Um, really, really, just like long levered guy. I think that length helps. And so um, I was just really, really impressed with him. I thought you know of all the corners I watched, he popped off the tape. I think. Uh, most more than anyone else, and I feel like you feel comfortable, more comfortable about a guy who's been thrown at like a thousand times, like Gladney has over the yeah, course of his career. Yeah, he has a ton of experience like, playing in the Big Twelve. I think he's been targeted, you know, well over two hundred times in his career, which is just yeah. I mean, you you have a lot of tape on that. that I don't know what it is about TCU, but they got some freakish athletes. Right? Gladney, Blacklock, Rager, Banagu. I mean, Banagu from the year before. Yeah. I mean, that guy was you know, that broad jump was stupid. All Ten yard split was insane. They, the they do have some athletes that, for that, sure. that yeah. weight program there was. And the safeties, the two safeties they have now, they're not in this class. But, I mean, both yeah. those guys have some range. Uh, looking at your board, you're, you're lower on some guys. Lower on some guys that maybe people are, are gaining some steam. Josh Jones at number 35 on your board and LaVisca Chenault at 37. Right now, yeah. they're in PFF's, you know, top, I think, top 20 players. Josh Jones is up on a lot of people's boards mm-hmm. right now. What do you see? Let's start with Josh Jones. Why is he not in that, you know, kind of that top 30 for you right now? I think I just kind of got on to him later than everyone else. Uh, he wasn't in my initial top 32, and then I watched him at the Senior Bowl. Mm-hmm. was obviously very impressed with how he played there. Um, and I sort of just put him into that second level. Yeah. I guess I, when I w- when I expanded it to fifty, I could definitely see him rising as it goes through. As I get to watch like more of him and compare him to some of the other top guys. But to be truthful, like that's just kind of like the process. Like, yeah, yeah. I thought very impressive guy. He could definitely like rise up as a, as we go along. Dude, that is the thing about being just like having to do me for 250 guys in the draft guy yeah. you feel like a dick when you're like hey i really haven't watched much of this guy but right, it's like right, there's right. so many guys you can't you, just you, like to actually get a handle on a yeah. guy you need a, a handful of hours there's, there's 300 so hours in the day. 377 guys at the yeah. combine alone yeah so yeah i think it's that's just kind of honestly the process i'm going through is like you discover these guys you're like oh that guy is really good. You know what I mean? And then yeah. you start. And you can't just throw him all the way up to I'm not you know, gonna, 14. It's not like we're uh, an NFL GM who we have a whole scouting department to tell us, you know, who and what to watch. Right, talk right, talk so. to us more about your process. I think I, I, mean, yeah. I think listeners would be interested in like how how you're evaluating prospects, what you know, what steps do you take, you know, film study, how you evaluate these things. Yeah, so I watch I mean obviously you're watching, you know, at least four games, four or five games to get a kind of like an idea of who this guy is. Then you dig into sort of the background stuff, like do research on Obviously, it's statistics, the, you know, the recruiting process, how it went through, like how college kind of went through with him. Um, and then you kind of just start to build like a profile of it. But like, honestly, for me, the first part is just watching like how they move, you know, their athletic ability, 
Um, that might be why like I'm so much higher on chasing than some people. Yeah, yeah. just like the way he moves. I mean, is I've so seen explosive. some people. I've seen some people say guys got like a jetpack on. I mean, they got yeah. when he, his burst and his, his his explosiveness at the snap. I think I'm higher on Caleb on a little bit more than you. I mean, I really do like yeah. what he brings to the table. His high end is very good, and I think he's not this just a project guy. I don't, I think he's still raw, but I do think there's you see some of these see some of these reps. You're like, okay, like he has put it together before. Yeah. It's still inconsistent. It still yep. needs to get a lot better, but like. It's not like so. No one's making the comparison to Arden Key for good reason because Arden Key was way more raw and now <laughs> Arden Key's off field. Like yeah, off field too. Off field was a disaster, but like yeah. this guy's not that level from an unpolished yeah. standpoint. I think there is a little bit more polish too. I like the Brian Burns conversation. I, I think yeah. him and Brian Burns are similar. I think because I was a lot higher on Brian Burns than a lot of people last season, and so it was very cool to see him have some success yeah. this season obviously he kind of like faded off as the he second half hands, of the year he broke his hand and then yeah. never really came back and they yeah. switched sides with him yeah he, went, they he was up going up against right tackles and then he was killing them and then they'd ask him to go left tackles and that didn't happen so. <laughs> but if you ask pff you know the difference between brian burns caleb on chase on brian burns produced the right. dude had some the dude right. had some pass rush pass pass rushing sure. production sure. two years of it even all right let's move i, I mentioned I, lavisca i was yeah. saying i want to get into the wide receiver class as a whole yeah okay. you got visca kind of low you have CD over Judy, but mm-hmm. I love that you have them right next to each other because that's yeah. like if you have, I mean, it's have like them, one every board has to have them yeah. right next to each other. That's what that's a must. And then you have Brian Edwards, the South Carolina guy, yeah, in your top fifty. I saw you had him ranked like one forty something, right? Yeah. So, <laughs> Not um, I so I really liked his Four tape. Fifth. Honestly, like he was a guy that popped on tape for me, and it was the same sort of deal like what we were just talking about, like. His moving skills off the line of scrimmage, the way he can kind of shake guys off the line of scrimmage, I thought that was impressive. Um, just the way he, you know, what he can do inside his routes, obviously he had some um, impressive catches, so, like, he can make those mm-hmm. impressive catches. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, I mean, like, digging in more, like, you know, you were saying, I think half of his receptions is last season were on screen, so that's obviously a red flag. Um, I think people are all over the board with Edwards, honestly. Yeah. It sucks that he can't, that he's not he's testing not this week yeah. because – um, and he didn't play at the Senior Bowl. I mean, like that's that's been unfortunate yeah. for him. It's yeah. been really unfortunate. Senior Bowl could have been huge. I, another yeah. another guy too, uh, Ashton Davis. I mean, I, I, in summer vein, like didn't get a chance to participate in the Senior Bowl. Will not be testing here at the combine. Like that guy had like a, yeah. to, to like, put himself in the first round. Or Brian Edwards who put himself up in stock. Like those two misses are are bad for both players. Yeah. So, so I don't know. Like honestly, I could end up being way way higher on him than the NFL is. Like I was a lot higher on Kelvin Harmon last season than yeah. than a lot of people. I just think like those big bodied guys for whatever the way that they Get can move. The yeah. yeah, so, like, you know, I'm to- absolutely sort of aware of the fact that this might just be, like, I'm way too high on this guy. But at the same time, I heard, um, like, Daniel are. Jeremiah yeah. was talking about it the other day. If he ran in, like, under the four sixes, like, he could go in the second or third round. Oh, wow. So um, it's just going to be very interesting. I will not be surprised if he falls, though, just because of all these uh, pre-draft kind of things that are happening to him. He broke his foot, so he's not going to be able to test. You know, he's not going to be able to kind of show off and, and be in the front of people's minds. I think, he, and he could end up falling a little bit. But overall, honestly, I like him. He's produced four seasons. Mm-hmm. Um, he know, was he, like as a freshman. Yeah, starting, he, he was seventeen year yeah. old. You know, coming exactly. into South Carolina, and even when Debo Samuel was in that same offense with him, his numbers were pretty strong. Even mm-hmm. though he's like three years younger than Debo, um, so like his profile, his statistical profile, is strong. Yeah. yeah. I thought his tape, like honestly, when I popped on the tape, mm-hmm. I thought he looked really good. And so um, there's definitely some games where. You know, he wasn't quite as, like, front and center, I think, as you want him to be. But then there's other games, too, where he was just like, wow, this guy is kind of dominating. So, yeah, he's he's a polarizing guy for sure. I'm absolutely aware of that. And putting him to, in my top 50, I was like, this is probably going <laughs> to be play. the one. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. a play right there. All yeah. right. 
Let me get, get let's get that CD Judy conversation though. Sure. What's the separator? You have because you have CD above Judy. I said the separator for me going Judy above CD was the speed, and that's yeah. gonna play even if it's not necessarily yeah. Uh, like just off the ri- off the rip. The guy have, have a if you have a guy running a four three, the defense have to adjust for that. But CD's not gonna run the four three, and that's why I have it. But why CD over Judy? And I'm not gonna say it's wrong. There's, right, right. Uh, there's reasons to have uh, either. So know? a couple of things. Number one. Um, the contested catch ability for CD, I thought, was very, very impressive. Like, his, physical, his physicality, mm-hmm. even though he's, like, skinny, like, people are talking about when his BMI yeah. right now and worried <laughs> that he's too skinny, you know, whatever, he's not solid enough. You're talking about Austin's BMI, too. Whoa, yeah, hey, hey, it's, hey. In a very good light. They're like, oh, my God, is that DK Metcalf? I had my shirt off earlier this morning. People are asking me for interviews and autographs. It's like, wow. That was you in the mirror, man. <laughs> I interviewed you, yeah. Um, but, yeah, so, like, that, so that's the first thing that – for that stood out for me and then obviously his yards after the catchability like just his his playmaking i think was really what stood out to me but again it's nine and ten and like yeah they're they're <laughs> like no i know you, i just if, i was just I wanted to know them, like yeah if i had to switch them it wouldn't is. be like a big deal to me because i think <laughs> i agree with you though like the he has foot like his feet are fire Judy, I'm fi. talking about yeah. Judy. absolute yeah. fi. Um, We're trying to make fi a thing. If okay. you could jump on board, okay. that's a podcast. Yeah. Okay. It'd, be, yeah. it'd be huge for us, actually. Yeah. <laughs> All right, good to know. Um, but yeah, so I love both of those guys. I think they'll be. They won't me, be really good. Bring me back to Lavisca and, and what, what, where you see 37th on your board. So, like, uh, yeah, this is a lot of it is off of watching like 2019 tape, and I know that his 2018 tape is better, um, or at least his production is. Um, but uh, like a couple of things, the injuries thing worries me. Um, the way that he plays is is potentially worrisome, and the fact that he's just like very, very physical, obviously reckless. Just, a little, yeah. Not rec- I mean, reckless has a negative connotation, but he does bring the heat on right. every play. Yeah, he's um, not he's not doing the Marvin Harrison where he you know he drops. Yeah, down yeah. This, this guy's low <laughs> on his shoulder him. trying yeah. to make some plays. And I think he, relative to some of the other guys in the class, I think that he has to land in a spot where um, an NFL coach is willing to kind of like use him to his skill set. So like, if he landed in San Francisco, this guy could end up being the best receiver in this whole class at least production-wise, just because he's such a freak after the catch. Like, he's very, very fast. He can get down the field. You know, he's very, very fast down the field. Um, so, yeah, I, I'm not, like, low on him. I think, I guess, relative to a yeah. lot of people, I'm, I'm you know, a little bit lower on him. But it's not like I don't like him. You know? Yeah. So um, I wouldn't. I definitely wouldn't put it that way. But I just think um, those factors are a little bit worrisome to me. I didn't think he – I don't think he – at least on tape, to me, he didn't look like a jitterbug fast in the short area. Like he's he's mm-hmm. powerful and no, fast, but he's not quick. If that yeah. makes any sense, or he's like relatively. He's not quick. like KJ Hamler, right? Kind of exactly. Like he's like not bounce, like he's not like shaking guys yeah. and like getting by him. He's like a run fast, physical. He's almost like a running back, you know. Exactly. Oh yeah, I mean, <laughs> uh, Mike Renner's oh, yeah. comp. Saquon, yeah, yeah, there you go. Saquon Barkley. I, I, I was gonna say, bringing up the comps. I love in the guide here the comps that you like have a guy, but then you're like. A supersized Debo Samuel, like <laughs> yeah. I, because add a, add a modifier. Because yeah. I I feel like a lot of times I want to do that, but then I'm like everyone's gonna be like, oh, he's so much bigger. Why? Like, it's like no, but like they remind. It's not that's like the definition of comp is kind of like right. who he reminds you of, who like his skill set is like. Right. I would say like a bigger guy like that, a bigger version of Debo Samuel is very much more accurate than trying to. Trying find an exact exactly count. trying to find yeah. a guy who fits every okay. single part of the position. I feel like I started with Corderell Patterson, and I was like, "That's just not." No, I mean, it's not, it's not yeah, the exactly. same. They're not the same kind of guy. Like yeah. physically, they're similar size, I guess, but exactly, it just wasn't like, the same style, I guess. And so, yeah. 
Um, he's is he he's running the forty this week, right? Better, that, yeah. yeah. I think with Lavisca too. I don't know if you know. We talked to him earlier in the season. He said injuries were the biggest reason why his usage was like almost exclusively outside receiver. He was saying, right. you know, in twenty eighteen they used me in running back, quarterback, slot, all these things, and like he said, that's the role I want to play in the NFL, but. In an effort to kind of pull him back from the injuries, trying to avoid some of that harm that we spoke to, they're like, "Let's play him outside. Like, yeah, don't get him hit between the tackles by a DT." Exactly. Yeah. But here we so go. I mean, that, those, yeah. those concerns. I think I mean, Mike and I have the same concerns. Like, I think we have the same concerns with Lavisca in terms of the injuries are a legit issue. Like guys had like what yeah. three or four surgeries in the last couple. I mean, the last eighteen months. And in addition to that, right. usage is so important with Lavisca Chenault. Like you're not going to be able to play him exclusively at outside receiver. You have to get creative yep. and prioritize him in your game plan if you're going to get that production out of him. I would say that brings yeah. up kind of an interesting point or a good topic of conversation for the draft in general of like we're all seeing the same stuff. It's like what do you value? Right? Yeah, yeah. About that totally. Yeah, you know, totally. it's like we all see the same tape unless you're like really actually don't know what the hell you're looking at and battle. Like you don't know football <laughs> at all. Right. But like we're all seeing the same stuff. It's like you what don't do have you to subtweet me. Okay. Value. <laughs> but, but yeah, that is kind of just like an interesting part of the draft value that kind of gets yeah. lost when someone's like higher or lower. It's like, no, you kind of just, it's because you value it. And, and to jump yeah. on that, I mean, yep. that's why it's so valuable the work that Eric Eager, George Chahuri, Kev Cole are doing in terms of like trying to find yeah, with all this stuff that we watch, it's, yeah. watch and see and collect. It's like, what's actually valuable? What translates yeah. to the next level? What has predictive power? And I think that's really important. And as we get better in this process, it's so much, I think we're moving forward. And even we had Kevin yeah. Cole on earlier. Like He's saying teams are getting smarter. And I think it's for the reasons that you're trying to understand now. It's like what's valuable, what should we be looking for, and things like that. Uh, to wrap it up here, who are some guys here that you're looking forward to blow up the combine? Some, some predicted winners. They, they don't run until Thursday. Yeah. They'll run through the weekend. But who do you think is going to be like a predicted winner in, in, well, in well, the like combine? Like a guy you like, too, that you think is like going to have a good week. Right. Yeah. I, I really like Rager, Jalen Rager. Okay. I think he's going to be super fast, fast. and super yeah. explosive. Like. You know, obviously everyone talks about the 40, but he's also probably going to jump really well, do the broad jump really well. He's just an explosive guy. Um, I just wrote about this, and I'm, like, blanking on everyone, so I'm going to pull it up. <laughs> you got Wirfs um, at six. He's your oh, top yeah. tight end. They're, Jesus, top tight end, tackle. Yeah. He could play tight he end. He could probably. I, yeah. he, same deal. Like, he's just super athletic. I think his fit will be important if he's, like, with a team, like a wide zone team. I think that would be great. Yeah. Um, oh, he's so good at that. You know, I like a lot of these tackles, so actually. The tackle, the tackle class, class is, good. is good. Very good. We, yeah. I think five, five guys probably go in the top 20. Mike, you said that. I think that's fair. I think all five of those top guys uh, are great. I was going to say, I, was, I think I was on Cleveland Radio yesterday, and I was just like, they, they can't fuck this up. You know, like, the Browns can't mess this up. Like, you've got to yeah. get a good tackle there. Like, one of those guys will be good. Um, let's see here. Oh, Michigan's uh, Donovan Peoples-Jones is kind of interesting this week. because We're DPJ haters, noted. Yeah, I didn't. Our that's our, <laughs> is that your? We just, your no, well, I hate Michigan. Brand. In general, but then uh, <laughs> this is but so we, we're trying to make Phi a thing, and now we're making DPJ a thing. <laughs> DPJ haters a thing, but uh, not, I mean, we're not DPJ big fans. It sounds like you got to pay mean, extra for that. It's, it's tough with guys that are like like Donovan Peoples Jones, Caleb on Chase on. Obviously, not in the same tier of players on our board, but these guys are very athletic. We know they're going to test well, but the production wasn't there. I right, mean, th- those right. concerns with PFF are bigger than I think for others because like we yeah, look yeah. at production so much more than others, and yeah. not box score production, not tackles, but like actual advanced production and I like mean, you pass guys, grades yeah, and stuff like that. And I respect that a lot. Because you guys are looking at the stats that you found correlate to exactly. the NFL. It's which, not like oh man, which is why we, we made up this yeah. stat. It's called uh, we have to use it. Snaps now. played yeah. per you know <laughs> coverage, you know whatever. It's like no, like this stat 
translates more often than you know even pass rating touch yeah. all these things and and it's I, like yeah. that's why we buy into and it. i absolutely take that into account like as i'm doing this like you know breakout age is a thing for receivers i think that is important it's mm-hmm. not everything but it's important you know the dominator rating i, I think that's kind of every position that. too is like if you're good as freshman or good as like a true sophomore that means that, you're that, good that helps yeah like when you're when you're beating up guys older than you it means you're helps. a good player yeah, yeah. Um, and we finished. No, yeah. uh, but with Jalen Rager, I wanted to bring up. I, I, I think weighed in at like two hundred six pounds. If yeah. this guy runs in the four twos, like he says he can at two hundred six pounds, like what is going on? Like yeah. that's not it's that's not a fun. human being. That's going to be because like you think about Henry Ruggs, he wants to run like a four one nine or whatever it is. Like mm-hmm. he's one hundred eighty eight pounds. Too. I want to run a four one nine, but like he's one hundred eighty eight <laughs> pounds. Jalen Rager is going to be two, two, 20 pounds heavier, and he's going to run close. I don't think yeah. he beats him, but he's going to run close. And like he, Jalen Rager, there's going to be some teams that fall in love with this kid if they haven't already. I mean, if you look around the NFL. And I, I felt like I noticed this during the season. A lot of the the best offenses are just fast. Mm-hmm. You know, what I mean, obviously yeah. K- Kansas City is is the poster child for that. Just having that speed makes you so difficult to match up. And it's not even so like Rager could come into the NFL or Rugs especially, yeah. and he's not necessarily going to be like a, a big fantasy star, but he's important because he changes the way that you have to like defend the team. It, he takes another guy, another safety out of the box, mm-hmm. et cetera, et cetera. Like it changes the way that defenses have to play. And so, like, I think that is important. Uh, what, as the NFL is becoming, like, more, you know, spread out, yeah, teams that, are trying to spread the thing. field. Yeah. Teams are trying to get one-on-one matchups. Um, these what, guys might not be huge, huge producers, but they are important. I was going to say, when, like, I think it's, like you said, the way the NFL has gone in terms of the third wide receivers on the field every snap. Right. Yeah. You go right. four wide. Like, you have that guy is now a starter, and that guy should be fast. And you know, that guy, instead of being yeah. your slot shifty underneath guy, the ability to test down the field and the increase in teams using play action That's why as I well. think a team's going to really like KJ That's Hamler. I mean, yeah. KJ Hamler's a guy, like, you're going to stretch the field from the slot. You can actually, he's going to be a weapon there. Mm-hmm. I think uh, very impressive. Well, Danny, I really appreciate you coming on. We'll have sure. to get you on the podcast again as we get closer to the draft course, and, yeah, and do sure. different things. But I uh, really appreciate what you've done. Five, remember it, just hold it to you. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> All there right. we go. But uh, thanks again. All right, thank you guys.